0: Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do His will. Working in you, that which is well-pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever, and all God's people say, Father, thank you for this opportunity to come to the end of consideration of the blessed book of Hebrews. We've learned much. We've considered much. We've thought thoughts that are so profound and high that we perceive that we don't perceive fully. And yet, thankfully, we are so glad for what you have done for us in Jesus Christ. Help us now as we seek to give due consideration to this blessed benediction is clearly intended to be of strongest encouragement for thy people. Lord it is no complaint for us to say that we can use thy encouragement today. We love you, we're learning to trust you in all things, and there is of ongoing necessity in our souls need of Thee and Thy encouragements. We need, as it were, the wind of the Spirit beneath the wings of our lives to lift our thoughts and our hearts and our living patterns in a way that would indeed glorify Thee. So help us then, as we attend to the end of the text, And we seek to meditate together concerning this blessed benediction in thy most holy word. We thank you, we praise you in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake, amen. I remind you that this final section of Hebrews concludes this dynamic and blessed benediction, really one of the most dynamic and most blessed in all of the scripture. The term benediction means an official pronouncement of blessing upon the people of God. And today we're working with that particular pronouncement of blessing as is recorded here in Hebrews 13 20 and 21, particularly focused this morning on verse 21. Again, I focus your attention to the fact that the book of Hebrews ends with emphasis upon uh, God's people praying, as is indicated at verse 18. Prayer is making requests for God's people, and benediction is making a pronouncement upon God's people relative to their blessing in the Lord. Both of those elements, prayer, Request on behalf of the people of God, benediction, blessings pronounced upon the people of God. Both of those elements come together here at the close of Hebrews in a rather stunning manner. It appears that the apostle had the high priestly blessing of Aaron, uh, as recorded in number six on his mind, as he points once again to our uh, superior high priest in Jesus Christ, and seeks to pronounce blessing upon the New Testament flock of God along the very lines that have been lifted throughout the book of, of Hebrews. We ended each weekly preaching hour in the book of Hebrews with the reading of this benediction. Last week, we meditated on verse 20. And we looked at the God of peace, the resurrection of Christ, the shepherd of God's sheep, and the blood of the eternal covenant. Today, we're focusing upon the uh, work of God uh, carried forth perpetually unto completion, God's will to be done on earth now among his people, as in heaven, ultimately, Uh, God's pleasure and God's glory uh, forever. Verse 21, God make you perfect in every good work to do His will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. We begin with God's work with and in the believer Unto completion, which is the focus of the phrase, make you perfect, make you complete. Or we might say it, get you done. The active verb here speaks of the action of God the Father, referenced as God, the God of peace, verse 20. The Father works through or by means of God the Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, The word in Greek, dia, speaks of instrumentality. God the Father works through the instrument of God the Son become man. Christ is the shepherd and likewise the sacrificial sheep whose shed blood is the sole basis of the eternal covenant ever and always on the mind of God from eternity past. This work of God anticipated in the plan of God before creation. This redemptive work of God through God the Son become man is astounding in and of itself. But the phrase at the beginning of verse 21 brings the stunning and the astounding topic of God's eternal plan together with a very personal plural pronoun. It says, Make you... Perfect. Make you complete. Get you done. Years and years ago, I watched the sherry first made cookies for the family, and she would always do the toothpick test where you stick a toothpick in the cake or a toothpick in the cookie. And put it in and pull it out. And if there's any gook on it, that's when I want the cookie, by the way, when the gook is still on the toothpick. But nonetheless, uh, if there's any gook in it, well, then a few more minutes in the oven. Well, in a church like ours, we don't have any spiritual toothpicks. The only thing that I know, and I know for sure, is this. The only thing I know, and I know for sure, is this, concerning you. And that is you are not done yet. I know it. I know it of myself. I know it of you. If there was a Holy Spirit toothpick test, if there was, you and I would reveal that we were yet not done. But here you have a plural pronoun referencing every single believer in Christ. And the phrase clearly indicates that God is working with you and God is working in you all who name the name of Jesus Christ. His work is unto our perfection. The word perfect, as found here, has the idea of completing or making whole or getting done, as we've said, and is likewise associated with mending and framing. I like the word framing because it invokes the illustration of an artist who expresses himself in a beautiful painting and then completes the project By framing it and hanging it for his own pleasure. In a similar vein, Paul said to the Philippians, He that hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. When a person in the world says, I've been framed, they mean that somebody... Has placed them into their agenda falsely by lies and evil action. But scripture says that the child of God can righteously say, God frames me, and not according to my agenda, but his agenda and not with lies and evil action, but by truth and grace. I've been framed of God. Wow. The framing of the believer by God places him or her into the blessed picture of all things Christ. This is the one eternal art project that will be duly hung on heaven's wall forever and ever. Amen. Theologically, this text allows us to affirm the doctrinal statement that whomever God justifies, he sanctifies. It assures us that God is faithful to will and to do, in us, perpetually, until the day of Christ ahead. We are talking about holy you, H-O-L-Y, holy you, holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. In order to grasp the significance of this phrase, you need to Think about these two words, holy, 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 H-O-L-Y, holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. And the verse says that God works to make you holy, holy, or holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. H-O-L-Y. We are blessed of God for faith and endurance by the guarantee that he works to get us done after the fashion of Christ. Now, if the Bible says that God is doing that, then I must believe that God is doing that. Amen? So why am I such a ditz? And why are we so dull? And what is lacking that we would be as an eagle chained to a rock rather than an eagle at flight in the sky? Well, let's keep going. God's will, number two, God's will in all this done on earth as he works within the believer who is appointed unto good works. The phraseology goes on to say, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are his workmanship, or art, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Without God's work making you H-O-L-Y and continuing to work to make you W-H-O-L-L-Y, H-O-L-Y, then it wouldn't be happening at all but even with the aspect of the announcement and the pronouncement of blessing that God is working in that very vein or in that very way in my life and yours, yet it is clear that he who works faithfully does not work contrary to our will. In other words, the believer's submission... The believer's cooperation is indeed required of God in the process of sanctification. Now, as good and godly Baptists, we love the doctrine of justification, saved by faith, saved by grace through faith alone, not of works, lest any man should boast. But that said, we must be careful because the song we sing and the message we preach is indeed trust and obey believe and behave listen and live i think you heard that before today and again as we come to it here in this context of uh, of uh, a statement we have information that god has before ordained that we should walk in The good works appointed us during the days of our earthly sojourn. God works to perfect us in every good work to do his will. We have often tried to help you draw in mind uh, the necessary distinction between doing good things and believers' good works. Any person, saved or unsaved, can do good things, and often do good things. But only believers can do good works, eternally appointed in the will of God. We pray, thy will be done on earth, knowing that it isn't done on earth by everyone as it is right now in heaven. Yet we can and must, as it were, cooperate, yield to God so as to do the will of God here and now. God works in us that we might do His will. He's not working in us that we won't do His will. He's working in us that we would do His will, that we must do the will of God here and now because God works to make it so. God does this with our cooperation and effort, not apart from our cooperation and effort. I read the other day in my devotions of that, of that familiar account where Jesus goes into the synagogue and he sees the man with a, with a crippled hand. And Jesus says, stretch forth thy hand. What did Jesus say? Stretch forth thy hand. Where's the power? Stretch forth thy hand. The word of Christ Is the power of God unto the stretching forth of the hand. What if the man looked at Jesus and said, can't do that, I'm going home. Did the man say, can't do that, I'm going home? No. Jesus said to the man, stretch forth thy hand. And the man stretched forth his hand. Where's the power? Where's the ability? Where does it come from? All of God, all of God, all of God, but not apart from the stretching of the hand. Have you stretched your faith towards Christ? Have you been obedient to the word of God in obedience? It is a profound thing, and it connects directly what we preached in the last hour concerning hearing the truth And doing the truth. Responding to the truth in action. Let's add the next little phrase here. Make you perfect in every good work. To do his will. Working in you that which is well pleasing in his sight. God works with and in the believer to create actions and activities that bring to God pleasure and satisfaction. The Greek word euarestos is translated well-pleasing and speaks of that which is acceptable before the face of God. Acceptable before the presence of God is the exact same acceptance that is referenced in Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. God does that which pleases him. It pleases him to work in believers who will bring to him pleasures in righteousness. I read a, another little thing in my devotion uh, this week that impacts my thinking in this moment, and that is the two purposes of gold. Gold is certainly used to purchase things. But gold is also used uh, to stick on your ears or around your neck or on your hand as, uh, as a means to uh, uh, decorate you. And uh, there's probably somebody here today that's got a little gold on their head or on their neck or in their ears, Or on their fingers. Uh, Not a bad thing. But the devotion that I read said this. None of your gold, none of your gold, none of your gold, none of your gold will buy you salvation. But after the gold of God has purchased your salvation, God would have you decorated in the gold of God given you, just like a husband buys for his wife a gold chain that she might wear it to decorate her neck, so God of righteousness has purchased for you righteous life eternal that you might display in heaven his gold. Wear it now! Wear it now! Would be the thrust of the text in application. Next little phrase. Make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. This great work of God through Christ in us, in us all, is aimed or directed or targeted for God's own glory and doxology. He is the recipient of all the glory. All the creative work is unto his glory. All the redemptive work is unto his glory. Because in fact, as scripture says it, of him and through him and to him are all things. The thing we bring to God in all this, the only thing that we contribute is a loving yield. A loving yield. The old invitation song, yet, in the hymn book, sings, have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. God is the exclusive source of our salvation, and God is the exclusive source of our sanctification. When we talk rightly about salvation... We talk not about your works or mine at all, no merit of our own. We sang at the beginning of this hour, my hope is in the Lord. And yet, when we talk rightly about sanctification, we must talk about the loving yield. The loving yield to God that allows His work to become effective. In real time, in an individual's life, we are enabled by God's provision in Christ and the endowment of the Holy Spirit to refuse to yield our members as instruments of unrighteousness, but to yield, rather, ourselves unto God. You can do that. I can do that. Because of the work of God in and among us, we do see sanctification as a process of holy making by the work of God and the loving yield of the child of God. But the blessing of it is the focus upon the guaranteed work of God in the life of of every believer. God is at work in you. God is getting you done. God is at work in and among us, and we should all, when thinking right, therein say to our own soul, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, we said that this introduction uh, to the last section of Hebrews uh, has an emphasis both upon prayer and benediction. And these two things certainly come together in the practice of our lives uh, as uh, as we begin to pull away from the truths, the glorious truths in the book of Hebrews. Prayer is our ongoing earthly work and responsibility as we seek spiritual integrity as we seek spiritual intimacy and as we seek to apply or inculcate the word of God. The reason why there's a prayer meeting in the midweek of, uh, of many, many evangelical churches over many, many hundreds of years is because of the understanding that believers absolutely must learn to pray and pray often and pray together and pray personally and pray corporately because without much prayer, there will not be a consistency in spiritual integrity. Without much prayer, there will not be spiritual intimacy. Without prayer, there will not be the inculcation of the word of God. And so you have, even at the end of Hebrews... Uh, The writer saying, pray for us, verse 18, because he wanted the local congregation to pray about his spiritual integrity and his spiritual intimacy and his inculcation of the word of God as well as theirs. In contrast to prayer is this matter of benediction, the pronouncement of blessing upon the children of God, slowly construed upon the greatness and the goodness of God, past, present, and future. The great hope for me, the great hope for you, is our great and good God. Our hopes, as we sang at the top of this hour, Our hope is in the Lord, and the benediction focuses the mind upon uh, the the Lord. Most often in teaching and preaching ministry in the local church, we lay before the flock their God-given responsibilities and the necessity of their prayerful involvement in response. Much, if almost all preaching and teaching ministry, like the book of Hebrews in the whole, is an exhortation. But whether you are mindful of it or not, I can say we always, I'm talking about us, I can say, honestly, we always, I'm talking about this local church right here, we always seek to end our weekly public worship gatherings with a clear benediction with focus upon God and God alone. Now, most often, the usual is for me to pronounce the triune benediction as is found in 2 Corinthians thirteen fourteen, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. That pronouncement of blessing at the end of many, 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 many services is to focus your heart and mind upon the guarantee of God's interest and God's work In this flock, we should have the greatest of prospects and hopes in the Lord because our hope is in the Lord, because our confidence is in God, and we invoke the name of the triune God week after week after week after week and leave that to be the benediction upon the flock. As we depart sometimes I like to change up the words and get a little bit away from the from the king's English and I say may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit because I don't talk about ghosts must be honest I don't talk about ghosts very often and I still read it in my King James Version Bible but that's about that other than that I'm pretty much a ghostless speaker if you know what I mean. But uh, we deliberately call attention uh, to the triune benediction, oftentimes at dismissal, so that our service hours end with the best thought for your blessing. And the best thought for your blessing is not you. The best thought for your blessing is your God. Hence... The use of a benediction. I read last week of the fact that God did not envision or ultimately elect that his children would live the pilgrim life. We hear so much about the fact that we are pilgrims and strangers. That is good to be reminded that God, in the glories of his mind, did not envision for us the pilgrim life. Indeed, Adam, before sin, was placed in a beautiful garden home. God always planned for us. To be at home with him. We are now pilgrims. We are now sojourners. Because of the entry of sin and death into the world. But by faith, we have gone from darkness to light from death to life. And you know that we call that salvation. Yet we know that he who did save us does save us. We call that sanctification. And we can define sanctification as the process by which God brings us home. Many of us live in this old world with a terrible lack of home. I'd like to be home and I can't name a place on earth that is home for me but I got one and I'll live there and that forever because God Himself will get us home. So now you understand why we sang every week. Let's talk about Jesus. We're not singing.